This is the Unearthing Art Podcast with Michelle Luminato and Beck Lee, where we dig into the messy reality of making art that matters, raw and real conversations about being an artist, navigating the creative process, and expressing our honest and sometimes weird selves. Seems like you've been pretty busy, Michelle. What have you been up to? Yeah, lots of stuff going behind the scenes that probably isn't apparent on Instagram. I've been working on the back end of Origin Art, getting all sorts of stuff set up for new people to join us. So that's been keeping me very busy. I'm super excited about it. It is exciting to look forward to, I mean, just the last episode, we were talking about this kind of real breakthrough I feel like I've made with my process. It's going to be exciting to see other people learning the framework, participating in that and seeing what discoveries they make about their own process. So if anyone's interested in hearing about when we're opening Origin Art within the next few weeks, um, there's a link in the show notes where you can jump on a wait list and you will be the very first to know. I just want to say, Beck, I have been getting all sorts of messages from people and seeing things that people are writing about how inspired they've been by your breakthrough and what you've shared. It's just getting a lot of artists I know really looking Mm. at their process a little bit closer. So thanks for sharing that. That was super exciting to see. And I know we have more to uncover. But today, there's a topic that's got me a little worked up. I have to say when I saw a post on Instagram, I had a big trigger. The topic is blatant copycats. I know that's a taboo topic. And it's not one that I usually want to talk about head on, but I feel like it's a really good topic to talk about. It's probably awkward to talk about because, um, well, we it's not about calling any particular person out for the artist themselves who is doing work that is very similar to, some, to, to a different artist. Then there's, you know, the person who... F- might feel like they're being copied and there's a lot of layers to it. Yeah, I think, and it is complex because there is this process that I think we talked about before where we as artists kind of in the beginning when we're starting to paint, we look to other artists, we're looking to see what's going on. And so I think that um, as a new artist, it's easy to not know the work that the artist has put Mm -hmm. in that you're looking at. And so my heart definitely goes out to artists who I know have put in years and years and years of work and to to see all the work they've put in that they then can make money off of, then to see someone else take that and just instantly go make money on that, it really just bothers me. It it feels to me like Hmm. it's out of integrity like as artists, like the whole point of being an artist is what? To be creative, right? To come up with something new and different. And especially as painters, like creativity is the core of what we do. So it almost feels like it's like a requirement to be ourselves, you know, and to do something that's too exclusive to us. Like copycatting is not new to any industry. I mean, it's in it's in furniture, it's in shoes, it's in fashion like it's everywhere right it's not like an exclusive to painters um and it's commercial opportunists who take 
proven concepts who to do that as artists i think that like we even have mm-hmm. more of an obligation right well let's let's start on that side then like you have from the side of the artist who is creating work and looking around at other artists and what's happening when i very first started enjoying painting and then looking around at the kind of online artist markets, let's call them, not necessarily a singular gallery, which has its represents its artists online, but something like um, mm-hmm. Saatchi or in Australia there's Blue Thumb. There are some really big sites that have hundreds if not thousands of artists and yeah. artworks and anyone can sign up really. Sometimes there's a selection process, but maybe the ones I'm thinking of where um, anyone can sign up. So as uh, someone who's, you know, maybe taken some weekend workshops, who's exploring the idea of creating art, and then they look online, they look on Instagram, they look on that kind of really big market where there's a lot of art there and for me that uh, the way i related to that initially was to look at the art as um more of a, a decorative thing and of course i was aware that there was you know proper artists whose work were in <laughs> the national galleries and museums and that kind of thing but when i looked at this more i guess you could almost call it commodified art on these kind of big sites, mm-hmm. these big decorator sites. And I looked at that and I thought, well, I could make something like that. And I didn't feel like it, it was necessarily knocking off a particular artist's work, if you know what I mean. It was kind of like going to Target mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. looking at a poster with an inspirational thing and some collage on it and saying, well, I could make something like that and I could go and sell it at the local markets and, you know, what's the harm? We're all making a kind of a commodity thing. So I just wanted to put that out there as a a point of view that when you're starting out, you might not yet have a full understanding. You might have a different perspective about the art that you're looking at and then the art that you're making. You might kind of see yourself as more of a craftsperson who's recreating something that you can make some money from then you have, we know this, um, we see this on Instagram, where there are certain organisations often based overseas that actually just go out onto the web ripping off designs that they find and they're quite aware of what they're doing, sticking them onto kind of cheaper products and then selling those knockoffs and, you know, illustrators get affected by that, artists get affected by that. So I don't know how helpful that is, but this is something that I was thinking of as a starting point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think that the new artist always knows, Mm. you know, the background of the art that they're necessarily modeling. And in some cases, I think it's partly because there's lessons out there by artists who show how to paint like them and it naturally kind of happens as well, right? This is, I think, where it gets to be a little bit awkward. And I guess what you were saying before about being a little taboo to talk about, because we have definitely come across people's work on Instagram and said, oh, that kind of looks a bit like this other person that I know, um, which doesn't necessarily mean that all of those people are what we would 
call copycats either, which is what I was going to say about the thing that had kind of got you a bit hot under the collar. And we're not going to name names here. We're not out to embarrass or um, vilify anyone. But this particular example is quite a striking use of materials, shapes, technique, the final product that is really not something that you would we're not just talking about someone who uses loose brush strokes or or does landscapes that are abstracted and and this is very specific similar this is actually a really in many many aspects of the work you could tick off and say yep they've done that they've done that the way they've created it um so even there that's a whole nother i think layer of discussion because I'm getting, there are so many things to talk about. I'm kind of don't even know where to start. I know it is a sticky, it's a sticky topic. And I certainly have not talked about it Mm. openly on my Instagram. This feels like a new territory to talk openly about it. But I think what I'm talking about is like really specific copies. Like you can literally go, that looks Mm -hmm. exactly Mm. like this one. Um, And when I've seen this happen is, Sometimes in the retail space, whether it's a gallery, stockist, whatever, you know, that format is, they might not have access to Mm -hmm. sell the original artist. And so this would be for them an easy avenue to sell something that's already successful. And I feel it's obvious it to me and why it gets me just like really I'm doing my best to stay calm back because I just get so riled up about this because It's just so opportunist and so hurtful to the people who have been doing that hard work. There's no confusion by the person selling that as a retailer that that is a copy of this other person because they know the market well enough. And again, this isn't to shame anyone, but I think that, like, let's call it what it is. You know, there's there's opportunists and... As artists, like, we have to kind of protect our people. I can see that that's what really got to you as well because it's one thing to have an artist who's early in their journey, in their process, exploring different styles, um, who may somewhat innocently, in the way I described before, think, oh, that's an interesting look, let me play with that, play with this, and then they get you know, somewhat admires that work. So they make some more of that, you know, they haven't yet really dug into their own path. So it's yeah. one thing for that person. But I think, as you were saying, to be someone who's in the industry, to be a, you know, a gallery or retailer who does have, definitely knows the original artist, who definitely knows that and who's made kind of a commercial decision that they will offer up probably a a Mm -hmm. cheaper copy. That's disheartening because I did wonder as well the thing about we have now with artists having access to the internet and Instagram and being able to sell directly versus, which we all say is a great thing, versus maybe in the past what was more of a gatekeeper system where you had to be in with a a certain gallery or or have an agent to have become known in that way. And for about a split second, I thought, oh, maybe this is one of the things that those gatekeepers used to do. They used to really um, provide a filter to make sure that it was really sort of original or more established in their practice artists who were then 
selling their work to collectors. But as soon as I thought that, I realized, no, it would be wrong <laughs> to, to imagine that, you know, to just blame the technology for that because they've probably always been copycats and they've always been people who are opportunistic. It's an integrity thing for me. To me, it feels like, you know, okay, maybe the artist, and again, like exploring, and again, we're all as artists, like we've all explored something and and looked at something and went, oh, I might try that too. And I think mm. there's nothing wrong with trying that and, you know, testing out like, do I like this? Um, and, you know, keeping it in your house or giving it to your mom or something. But when you make a commercial decision, you know, that's where the line gets crossed, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because I've been in conversations with artists uh, because it can be a bit shocking as an artist when you come across work that feels really similar. And I I have seen people share in private images to say side by side, like here's my painting and here's what this person has posted, you know, several months after I yeah. posted my earlier painting. And, you know, they've copied the entire composition where elements appear and that kind of thing. And one of the points of view there was, so it can feel a bit of a shock and a bit of an attack initially. Um, One of the points of view of that was that it's one thing for someone to create those kind of copies as a study, you know, like I think in some art schools, they encourage you to create Mm -hmm. copies of the masters. Yeah. And even to share that on Instagram. And say, I really like so-and-so's work. As part of and my studies, I'm them. trying out this and that. Yeah. It's probably, it's more when you start selling and marketing that work, isn't it? Like you said. As your own. Yes. Yeah. And again, I think that especially, you know, which I, I'm assuming most of everyone on this podcast would be listening because they're really digging into mm. unearthing their own art. Like, that's why we have this podcast. Um, and there's a lot of work involved to unearth our own art, you know? And so I think for me, I feel quite protective of that. I remember the first time someone blatantly ripped off something that I had done in the stationary indus- industry, um, and it was literally... A copy, color, like everything was exactly as I had done and I had released three years earlier. So, um, and the advice my husband gave me, which I think is great advice, mm-hmm. is just keep going new because there will always be new people out there doing that. But I guess for me, I'm like, we, we are creative people. We got to protect our people. Let's try to rally behind supporting the people who are in the trenches and then dig our own trenches and, you know, find our own work. And it doesn't mean I'm not saying that, like, you know, one person does flowers and there can only be one person who does flowers. You know, that's that's not what I'm saying, but it's like. How can you add your own spin to it? How can you take it to the next level? Like, it's not like, you know, geometrics, I own geometrics and no one's allowed to do geometrics, but how do I add my own spin to it? Well, let's break that apart just a little bit and dig into it. So there's nothing new under the sun, you know, there's lots of people making landscapes, there's lots of people doing florals, um, abstracts, and every variety in between those two. You mentioned geometrics, and and that's something that in your Mm -hmm. path of artistic sort of exploration leading to where you are now, there was a period where um, even the sort of geometric inspired paintings that you 
are doing now. I've seen some of the earlier work. And as you say, you didn't own Geometric. So how did you respond when you saw um, other art in the market that, that felt really similar to that? For first response, Truth was a little gutted, like, oh, mm-hmm. more geometric competition. And then I said, how can I be different? What can I do that's not being done? What's interesting to me that mm-hmm. I don't see happening? Like, you know, really looking at it from a personal angle of like, because when the market sees it, it just becomes the same. They're like, oh, I'll pick that one because it's cheaper. Or I'll pick that one because it's brighter. Like they're going to pick it for either price or mm. a preference. Did, did you feel like, oh, no, people are copying me? In some cases, I felt I felt that. I don't know if that was always mm. like a real intention. Um, but because I think sometimes, and this is me just being, you know, truthful about overall trends and things. I think there are overlaps that sometimes we visually all like similarities because we're moving with the times. So I do think that happens and that's not like not Mm. happening. I do think that happens. Um, You know, and the way that we're all really very much into curves, you know, and architectures become curvier right now. And like, there's bigger things that happen, right? It also happens with as materials, different materials become available and someone might explore a technique that is a lot more technically difficult at the time when they're starting. And then over time, you know, we get more mediums, we get different, it becomes more readily available to get different canvases or to work Mm -hmm. with. What I'm saying is as you're, all of those things are happening around and what we see generally, it's not necessarily copying a specific artist, but the likelihood of artists starting to put different things together increases at different times. So there is that. Yeah. There are, I think it's, as we've said, not a black and white thing because on one hand there are times when it seems like a very specific technique and style is copied in detail and then other times there can be a, a bit of a gut punch where you feel like something that you were exploring you suddenly see elsewhere and you can feel that hurt but with a bit of perspective, you can say, well, it's not like a super unique thing. I don't think necessarily that that person's come along and copied me. It's it's an exploration of a style. It's not exactly the same. You know, they're doing other things their way. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think there is a bit of a distinction, too, of when someone is capitalizing on a entry-level artist. Mm. And I'm going to just say it the way it is. I do think there's a difference of leveraging a a newer artist who might not know Mm -hmm. that they are as much of the copycat replacement as they really are. Right. I hate to say it. Yes, yes. So there's that. So there's an exploitation happening of both of both artists in that in that situation. The the newer artist who's maybe not realizing the full scope of what they're doing and then an established artist who's maybe spent many years developing their ideas and that's part of what we what we look at as well isn't it like the difference between someone where you can see an evolution in their work over several Mm -hmm. years or over several collections you can see where they came from and and you can see elements of the work that they make now not exactly the same but coming out over time yeah yeah, evolving yeah evolving versus 
then sometimes an artist who's doing one thing and then suddenly overnight they're doing the kind of completed version of this new thing that they're doing. Yes. Yeah. Right, right. And I guess just saying it out loud and like it is happening, I think we all see it. Mm. I don't think, you know, like just because we're not commenting or we're not shaming publicly, like I think we're all capable more than we think we are. Like we're we're just we're really creative individuals. Mm-hmm. And I think that the answers are in us more than we know, and we're more capable than we think. So when it feels competitive and it feels like everybody's doing the same thing or, you know, if you feel that, because I think that's a real thing we all feel, Mm -hmm. it's time to dig a little bit deeper, in my opinion, to, okay, how can we be different? What, What could we do that's a little special? And it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be something huge and you know, groundbreaking, but it could be really simple, subtle things as well. Mm. So is does this, that make sense? Well, so is this the advice that you would give to someone who feels like they're being copycatted? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's probably, yes. This is what I do. Okay. And this comes from my product background. Yeah. So we used to see this a lot um, in other industries and specifically um, when that happened, the only thing to do really is to go new and then specifically figure out like, well, how would we go new? What would that look like? Mm. Because um, the people who build their businesses around chasing copycats, that's their business model. Yeah. Like they literally find the best commercial thing and they copy that and they do that to the next thing. Yeah. And that's the model that they use. Um, which as artists, like if our model is to create, you know, something from nothing, it's that thing of how do we keep digging into what's new for us, mm. right? What's the evolution? How do we go new? How do we um, stand out when it gets a little crowded and things start becoming popularized? Because the sign of, you know, selling art is it becomes popular and then there's a price to pay with that popularity. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. A friend said something very similar to me recently that that when they look at their their current art, which is I feel very much their style and, and wonderful, but at the t- same time she said, I'm seeing a lot of this genre out in the market and it's mm-hmm. starting to feel a bit same same to me and I think that impacts one on the marketability but also on how she's feeling about her practice so yeah. she's saying you know now it's just it's just encouraging me even more to explore some more of the edge ideas that I've had and to let go of the familiar a little more so, and I think that's a really kind of mature and healthy way to look at it yeah yeah it can feel a bit harsh. I would agree. I think um, to feel like we say to say to artists, you know, oh, again, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit and say that if you, um, I think this could possibly be a whole separate discussion, but I think there's something here about if you establish yourself as an artist with a particular style. Um, and then, and it's a style where you have a somewhat repeated process and materials, 
as individualized as that meat may be from work to work and if you st- stay with that over and have some success with that over a number of years it kind of feels like you're not going to avoid that being picked up by others mm. like um mm-hmm. that that it, it's inevitable that when if you've established yeah, a certain totally. look and a certain process and a certain repeatable thing that people are going to recognize that and that is that when then we think about ourselves as artists, maybe not as locking into a particular style, but as we talk about with this process that we use and we are more tapping into a authentic expression, I kind of think of it is, yeah. as it's kind of a lens. And then, but what you create from that evolves and morphs over time. Right. It's always growing and adjusting and changing. Um, and maybe yeah. that can feel, I don't know. I don't know if that can feel like a little bit too demanding, like the, an artist is thinking, what? I thought I was just looking so, for my one artistic I love, style. I love that we get to do this together. This Because I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, oh, it's such an opportunity. Yeah. I, I look at it like, what's next? Mm-hmm. How exciting. Mm. I look at it like it is, de- and, and the reality is markets have bell curves. There's early adopters, then there's when the mainstream happens, and then when it sort of tapers off. Like, that's bell curves of markets. Mm. You know, I when I have collectors ask me, like, what should I buy? I say, buy things you really love. You don't want to buy something that's just on trend that you're going to want to get rid of in a couple years because that's just not really something that you're going to really love, love, you know, buy something that you really love. But in the market, you know, cycle of early adopters versus mainstream and tapering off, it is it is a cycle. Mm-hmm. And that's why as a creative, I think it's really important to understand where we are in those cycles yeah. of selling as well. Yeah. And when I look at my work and say, okay, I think, you know, like, early adopters, like I look for the excitement of it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little nutso in that way. But to me, I think, what kind of adventure could we go on next? You're an adrenaline <laughs> so, junkie, Michelle. You're all I'm about being little, on the leading edge. See, there's, <laughs> there's no need to jump off real cliffs. Yeah. You can just do it in your studio. Off, jump off those creative cliffs. But I, yeah, so yeah. I guess kind of what we're saying is that it is challenging but no one said it was going to be easy. Like that's part of what what being an artist is. Yeah. And sitting in the middle of that bell curve with whatever's happening right now and, and being amongst a lot of product that feels very yeah. similar is a very competitive and, as we've talked about, price-based market where there's going to be variations in in copycat type things um maybe unintentional similar type things it's just as you say it's the it's the trend of the time it's where what styles are where we are what we're exploring together and then there's the kind of um artistic practice where you're always pushing your own horizon forward you're kind of always going to be a little bit ahead of what any copycat could do like you said that your husband said you've got to move ahead and and be the next do the next thing and that's what I get really excited about because there's there's the match the market where they are or lead the market Mm -hmm. like and knowing what 
what you want to do with that and and knowing like we actually have a say we can take control over that i mean it doesn't stop me from feeling the pit in my stomach when i exactly. see exactly i was gonna say <laughs> however knowing that i can like you know take control of my own studio practice to be inventive and to help pave a new way for whatever i'm doing that's what i can control i think that's it i think that we don't have to ignore it and pretend it doesn't happen. The copycat stuff does happen. Yeah. It's not, despite it being upsetting, um, it's probably a great sign to take a bit of fresh perspective of yourself and your work as well because I know that we can get a little bit sensitised yeah. and maybe start feeling like we're being copied when actually we're not. It might be a time to recognise that the market has moved, that you're in the middle of that bell curve as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, as you say, think about, well, what can I do here? What What is within my power? What can I control? And that's your own development, you know, eyes eyes on your own page kind of thing. Because yeah. I think, I guess what I was trying to say before is what I think you want to realise in that moment is what they're copying is what they're seeing on your canvas in this moment, but that's not actually... They can't copy you. They can't copy what we're talking about, which right. this, is this authentic artistic expression that you have. So they haven't taken anything away from you. You have the creative power. You still have that and you can still put that into action. That's, that's I guess, what I feel like. Don't To not feel like you've yeah. had your power taken away, yeah. it, it's highlighting that now's the time to flex what truly is your power, not that single image that you've created, yes. not last week's painting. That's not where your power, your power is right now in the practice, and in the expression, in the exploration that you're doing. That's what I feel like. Yeah. And that's what I think I was saying when we're, ca mm -hmm. we're more capable than we think um, because we can. And I think that, you know, if you're feeling like you're coming up with new ideas, like you don't have to share them <laughs> yeah. on Instagram. You can wait a little bit, you know, digest it, um, keep it private with mm. people that you do trust and, you know, really put it out there and market when you're ready to do it. So I think that there is also a way to do it that mm. makes you feel safe when you explore these new ideas. Um, so we're all, but we're definitely all more capable than we even Definitely. know. I feel like there's a lot of positive choices that we can make within our own like power and capability, as you say, <laughs> even though it does get yeah. you a little hot under the and collar. It does. But I guess the other thing I want to say is like, we're creative, like we're a tribe, we're a That's creative yep. Yep. pack, you know? And I just want to say like, let's protect each other, you know, let's look out for each other. Let's Let's honor the work we're doing, you know, and respect each other and yep. have that integrity, you know, as a community. I just, I'm just raising my hand and saying, can we do that? That would be amazing. So this topic was sparked by the disappointment and anger we feel when we see an artist who has put the time and work into developing something special, having their art very obviously copied and sold as the work of someone else. What I think is really interesting is that the conversation took us down the path of what it actually means to be an artist and how outside of those examples of blatant copycatting, we might also recognize that similarities between our work and others 
can also be a sign to dig in deeper to evolving our art. This is something I definitely want to talk more about. But for now, if, as we talked about today, you're interested in developing and customizing your art practice so that you do have a way to continuously evolve your work and to be at the leading edge of that creative and market cycle that Michelle talked about, then check out the link for the Origin Art Program, which is in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.